Like, I feel like there's there's more pressure on this episode without Brandon here to, you know. Yeah, I can see that. That's not uh, that's not unreasonable to think. Yeah, because like know? he's the one that usually keeps it together. <laughs> In terms of what he gets, just as drunk as we do. I don't know. He just he's <laughs> able to like keep it together. Like he's he's the guy you want to invite to a party, knowing that you know he's going to rub your back when you start throwing up. He may be super drunk, but he'll still be there to like rub your back or ask you if you need a glass of water and he'll go get it. But like, he's, he's definitely not the one that's in the ditch puking his guts out. You know, to that point, you say that, but in, on my, uh, I want to say it was my 30th birthday. It couldn't have been, I couldn't have been that old. It might've been though. So we all went out to like a local Chinese food restaurant. It was like a big group of us. And I had kind of just met my wife at the time. Um, and so, uh, my wife and his wife, you know, now, now our wives were, were good, really good friends. And so that's how I met Brandon. Um, and so we all went out to a Chinese food restaurant one night and everybody in their crew, everybody in their group of friends has that, has that friend. That's like the biggest shit stir. You know, it's the one that you guys go out as a group and for guys, they all can relate to this. There's one guy in their crew that will ask the bartender to send a shot of milk over across the bar to a couple of guys in another section, you know, it's kind of like a, Hey, fuck you. So there's always that guy. And, and there's always that friend and and maybe for women, it's a little bit different, but um, we have that friend in our group of friends. And, and so, you know, my buddy and I went to the bathroom and, and, you know, uh, we, you know, we tie one on, you know, it was, late late into the evening at this point at the chinese food restaurant and my buddy got into it with a guy in the bathroom it spilled out into the lobby and they were in each other's face and the guy picked up the phone to call the cops and my buddy went to take a swing at him next thing i know i get pushed from behind and i'm on the ground what does brandon do that dude books his ass out of that chinese food restaurant quicker quicker than you could blink an oh, eye no oh yeah my buddy and i it was like four or five on two like i got pushed down there was a big scrum uh, somebody yelled that they were going to call the cops and and before i knew it the cops were there and brandon was nowhere to be found he <laughs> took that little butt of his and he fucking ran. He beat feet quicker than you would oh, quicker no. than you would know <laughs> I didn't even realize it until after when I got back to the to my uh, condo at the time, which was right down the street from the Chinese food place. It was so close you could walk there. And to this day, he blames it on his wife, that his wife pulled him out of there pretty much. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that he's not on the podcast to defend himself, <laughs> but, uh, but that is exactly what happened. Maybe Maybe he'll address it next week or something, but... You know, you talk about somebody who's supposed to be the support system and that dude, that dude saw even the littlest bit of drama go down. And he said, I want no part of this. And he was out. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think the friend that is going to bring you a glass of water when you're throwing up and the friend that's going to help you bury a dead body. I think I think those are usually two <laughs> different people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely a fair point. Definitely a fair point. I think. uh I think it would have been nice for Brandon to maybe help me up off the ground. Uh, that would have been nice. But listen. Maybe drag <laughs> you out of there too. <laughs> Along right, with that. Right. right. Maybe, uh, you know what, if I was throwing up in the Chinese food restaurant, maybe he would have ran into the bathroom and rubbed my back while I was sick. Who knows? Yep. <laughs> oh, dear. 
What's going on, guys? This is the Exit 12 Homebrew and Craft Beer Lifestyle Podcast. I am your new host, <laughs> Nick Lesigor. <laughs> Alongside me uh, is my other half, Adele. She is the Canadian brew lady. You can uh, follow her uh, on Instagram and Twitter at BrewLadyBeer and her website, BrewLady.com. You can follow Brandon and myself on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Exit 12 Homebrew. Not Exit 12 Brewery. Adele, we are homebrew now because we make homebrew. I'm sick and tired of people reaching out to us on Facebook asking where they can buy our beer. So we had to change our tag <laughs> on Facebook to homebrew. Well, that's what uh, happens when you send out your beer to us Canadians and we taste it and love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, funny enough, it was a lot of people from our state in Massachusetts wanted to know how they could get our beer, which is both flattering, uh, but also frustrating because we know we can't we can't just uh, we can't sell it. That's illegal. Uh, but you can also follow our brewing journey on YouTube as well by searching Exit 12 Homebrew on YouTube. Um, and then also, you know, go on your respective podcast listening platform, throw us a five-star rating, a nice comment. We would really appreciate the support. It goes a long way in terms of the success of the club when people are looking us up and things like that. So we're going to start out this podcast the way we start out every podcast. But first, I just want to make it clear, Brandon has not been kicked off the podcast. Uh, Brandon is currently uh, dealing with some personal things. Uh, he can he can kind of speak to that at some point if he would like. I, I don't know how private or public he wants to make those. So for this episode, I will be stepping in as the honorary host. But make no mistake, Brandon is the host of this podcast. Uh, and, and that's partly because I hate hosting, but also because he's very good at it. So Brandon will be back uh, probably next week. But for this week, uh, I'll be stepping in. So I'm going to start this podcast the way Brandon starts every podcast, and that's by asking, what are we drinking? So Adele, what are you sipping on over there? Nothing yet, but I'm about to crack open uh, the Trillium beer. This is from your hometown. You sent this to me. Oh, yeah. Ooh, this is- Beer ASMR. Uh, it's leg room. It's a double IPA. I'm really excited. Really excited. Yeah, so- What's interesting, uh, Trillium is actually in our home state, not our hometown, uh, but you were close enough. Um, they are in our home state of Massachusetts. Trillium Legrum is one of their special release beers. Uh, it, it was a, come on, Adele. I know, there's like, I'm, I'm trying to mute all this shit. Get your shit together. I, like, act like you've been on a podcast <laughs> at one time for me. There's like Jesus a million Christ. things going off. Before we started recording, or even we were recording, just not doing the show, her freaking GoPro goes. Yeah, okay. out of nowhere. So, <laughs> so I, I'll just give a little bit of background. It's reasonable Adele doesn't have this background because we just sent her the can. But uh, the background uh, is basically this was a Legrum, I believe, was one of their anniversary beers. They brew their anniversary beers from time to time. This one has American two row barley, flaked wheat, Valley rye. And it's a type of rye malt for local to Massachusetts and New York by this company called Valley. Uh, the hops are Mosaic, Citra, and CTZ. And the ABV is 8%. It's in a 16-ounce pounder can. Yeah, so it's completely opaque. Like, it is – you cannot see through, see through this beer. No, oh, my gosh. It's dank looking. Oh. It's light. It's, it's on the light. It is extremely color. light colored. Extremely light yeah. colored. It tastes really good. So we didn't even hit the mm. nose. Like, fuck the nose. Okay. My nose is not that as good. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. But like. No, you have a good nose. You have a small nose, but it's a good nose. 
Thanks. So what do you get? I'm, you know what? <laughs> hmm. Oh. Scrunchy face from Adele. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to figure it out. It's really hoppy, and I love that. I love that, but the bitterness is making it really hard for me to like extract any flavors. Like I honestly, like you, you mentioned a whole bunch of hops. I'm going to pretend that I didn't hear any of that. And I'm going to say, honestly, I'm getting a floral note to it. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm getting, I'm getting some orange on the back end. Like now it's starting to like hit me, but I don't know. Floral. Why, why is it tasting floral to me? In a good way. I, I like yeah, floral beers, but. Yeah, definitely not supposed to. Mm. Uh, the mosaic is definitely supposed to bring out some of those. I know mosaic can present as floral, depending on how the, how it's utilized. I know that in a recent BYO article, I believe it was, J.C. Tetral, Tetro, I'm not 100% sure of how to say his last name, um, personal friend of mine, uh, we Facebook message every now and then, NBD, owner of Trillium, J.C. and I, uh, JC and I have chatted. And and so I, I read a BYO article where he said initially with their beers, they were doing quite a bit of hot side hopping, but now they do about 90 to 95% of their hopping late stage. So my assumption is later in the fermentation or during high crossing. Mm. So for you to get those floral aromas is, is interesting. Because a lot of those late stage hopping is supposed to really amp up the bitter, uh, not amp up the bitterness, amp up the fruit level, the fruit character. I think so. I think the fact that it's double, like, hopped, is making it so that, um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I can't get past the bitterness to to like. Yeah, but you reach see the, the difference notes. between you see the difference between them and Treehouse. One hundred percent. Huge yeah, difference. Yeah, Huge difference. I love them both, Same though. Same style. I love them both. Wow. Okay, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Oh, so yeah, this is uh, this beer is the Space Time Continuum Coconut from Treehouse Brewing Company out of Charlton, Massachusetts. Uh, 11.9%. ABV in a 12 ounce bottle. It is uh, an imperial stout that was brewed with um, basically it's barrel aged. 34% of it is barrel aged with an average of 18 months. And it's a blend. It was blended with uh, Truth, which is another one of their imperial stouts, I believe. Um, And it's their base. That's their base imperial stout. So they blended it and then they conditioned it on hundreds of pounds of toasted coconut. So for me, you know, the way they describe this is Tootsie Roll-like. When I poured this, it had, obviously it's dark. We don't need to describe what a stout looks like. Everybody knows, right? They describe it as a Tootsie Roll. I don't get Tootsie Roll. What I get is atomic lava cake, mm. barrel-aged with coconut. I don't know if you've ever had an atomic lava cake, tell, but it's basically a sponge cake with liquid chocolate inside, and then they drizzle chocolate on top of it. I'm not one for low carbonated dessert stouts. I will tell you, and I don't rate beers on Untapped, but for those of you that follow me on Untapped, um, I rated this a five. Mm. This is this is a one hundred for me. This beer, when I, it's hard for me as a craft beer drinker now to get genuinely surprised by things. I took my first sip of this earlier, and I my eyes lit up. 
I couldn't believe how good I thought this was. It's not that cloying, sweet diabetes in a glass, but it's also, it has that barrel age characteristic that really plays off well with the, the chocolate notes I'm getting. The coconut is huge. When I first smelled it, it was just barrel-aged coconut mm. pretty much. But then when I took a sip, it's just atomic lava cake that's just been chilling in a barrel. You take it out. You, th- you put a handful of toasted coconut on it. It's unbelievable. It's not overly thick. It's nuanced. It's got layers to it. As it warms, I get a little bit of that Tootsie Roll aspect, but it's really got that atomic lava cake mm. concept, which is great. You're making me hungry. <laughs> That's that's what I do. I'm good. I'm good with the descriptions, baby. All right. Uh, and and next up, Adele, what do we got brewing? Oh coming God! Up? What have you brewed? What's fermenting? If you don't have anything, what are you brewing next? What are you planning? What do we got? Well, I, I I've been talking about wanting to redo the New England IPA again, and I, and I will. Um, not this weekend. I'm gonna probably try next weekend. Right now, my tilt um, hydrometer thing is inside of uh, a fermenter full of wine. So I'm, I've am i got wine on the go right now because my wine rack is getting empty and we cannot have that. We have to alleviate that. Yes. Right. Yes. I drink a lot of beer, but I probably drink more wine than beer. Interesting. Which is odd. Because I've never really seen that from you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you always. I always see you when you're drinking beer, uh, except for specific times of the month when you're drinking wine. Yes, very specific. Um, which is <laughs> Everybody needs it every now and then. Uh, yeah, so for us, we have a competition coming up. We're um, really up against it in terms of the time frame. I, I brewed a double New England-style IPA that Brandon and I worked on. It was supposed to be a double. The way it fermented out, it's going to be in the 7% range, a little bit over 7%. So not quite a double, but um, uh, more alcoholic than what we usually do. So uh, we brewed that beer with Amarillo and Citra. Uh, and that beer um, is going to be going into the competition. We're going to keg it tonight uh, and then ship it out on Thursday. Uh, and so we're really excited about that. I took a little sippy sip today and it's tasting pretty well. So we're pretty confident going into this competition. This competition has 350 people entered it. So it's a little bit bigger <laughs> by over double, triple pretty much than the first competition that we were in that we mentioned that we won. We're finally going to be getting the medals for that, hopefully by the end of next week, which is great. Uh, and we'll feature that on a video as well. But yeah, so we have that. And then uh, uh, we have a collaboration with uh, Ryan Lewis, Lou Brew in our homebrew club. You can go on YouTube and search Lou Brew, I believe. Uh, he does really great hazies. He does some fantastic stouts. He does like motor oil kind of consistency stouts that just glug glug out of the bottle and he puts like coconut and all types of different shit great home brewer i've had some of his beers been lucky enough um he sent me a box before met him in person awesome guy so we're gonna be doing a sour collab i believe which will be fun um (laughs) sorry not a big fan that's don't don't apologize adele just just uh be just be respectful that's all i ask and that's definitely something you are I just know, like, I'm, I'm never going to rate a sour beer on Untap because it's just going to get a shit review just because of my taste. So you'll never see me rate a sour beer. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we're going to open up a segment here. Uh, we have a news piece to bring to you. Graysale Brewing, I believe, out of Rhode Island. Um, well, not I believe. I'm reading the headline now. Becomes the first Rhode Island craft brewery <laughs> to capture and reuse CO2 emissions. 
which is really fascinating and interesting. And Adele's uh, earthy crunchiness is really shining through. So Adele, what, what do you have to say about that? Oh, so crunchy. So I had to, I had to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look this up. This is so good. So Graysell Brewing, yep. They invested in some uh, CO2 recapturing um, equipment by Earthy Labs. The system is called the CC system. It's CICI. And what it does is it captures the CO2 from the fermentation vessels or bright tanks. I don't know what bright tanks are, but it captures the CO2 from those two vessels. And then it filters and purifies it and, and stores the CO2, which is then later used to carbonate the beer. So this is fantastic. They're reducing their CO2 emissions and then reducing their, their the cost of CO2 that they have to purchase to carbonate their beer. If this isn't a smart move, I don't know what is. Like, I'm not really sure what the ROI on the system would be, like how much CO2 they would have to capture to pay off the system. But can you really put a price on reducing your CO2 emissions? Yeah, I think, and to your point, you know, I think it's probably less about getting the money back and more so about ways to help the environment um, and things like that. And you're not purchasing more CO2 from, you know, suppliers or whatever the case may be. So um, what's great is, you know, they're able to capture enough waste CO2 from the brewing process to equal the absorption work of 1,500 trees each year. Uh, And so they avoid releasing it into the atmosphere by doing that, which is pretty amazing. Um, The state goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% by 2035. So, you know, I'm not the most earthy crunchy person ever. I think I'm one of those people who tries to be earthy crunchy and that shit lasts like two weeks. I'm like, hey, babe, (laughs) like I say to my wife, I go, we need to like, we need to start like composting. She's like, all right. So we start composting, but like I need to buy an effective composter. Otherwise, like I just... Like one day when we first moved into our house, I was like, I want to compost. I have a 55-gallon rubber barrel. Like I'm just going to poke holes in it, and now it's my compost. <laughs> the problem is you need, to, you need to turn that shit, and I don't turn it. So I've been living in my house for five years now, four years, and the thing's just sitting outside full, 55 gallons, just n- never been turned ever. And so I'm afraid to – now it's to the point where it's like I'm afraid to go out to see what the fuck is in that barrel. <laughs> It's like no longer am I composting, you know? So uh, I I definitely try to be earthy crunchy. I wish I was more like that. Uh, We do recycle though. We do recycle, which is, which is a big step because not a lot of people do. So for things like this, I, I get a bit of FOMO Adele. I get a bit of FOMO, you know, I wish I could be doing things like this to help the environment in all seriousness. You know, I, I do believe in, in kind of uh, global warming and shit like that. So I, I wish I could help out more. But uh, as Brandon will tell you, your boy Adele, I'm all about, I waste the shit out of CO2. (laughs) I don't have time to understand how CO2 works in terms of pressure transfer and getting it from the the fermenter into the keg. Like I just, I just know how to pressure transfer and then that's it. I don't know how to take the CO2 that's in the fermenter, the empty fermenter and get it in another empty keg. I don't know how to do that. My, my brain turns to mush. So I need to do better with stuff like that, especially because CO2 is very, very expensive. But um, ultimately, you know, I think that this is, this is a great thing. You know, I think that this is uh, I think you'll see a lot more breweries go towards this. I know that there's quite a few breweries in Vermont. I don't know about you in Canada, Adele, but quite a few breweries in Vermont, Vermont that are doing some great things to help offset. <clears throat> excuse me, to help offset the damage that they may be doing to the environment. 
So I'm starting to think about like, what, what does the CO2 look like in home brewing? Like how much CO2 am I releasing in my house from fermenting beer? I mean, if you, yeah. Now I'm getting concerned. (laughs) Like my CO2 like detector thing is not like getting set off, but now I'm getting concerned. And now I'm very glad that I'm getting into plants, but we won't go into that. But (laughs) you know what though, between, (laughs) between, between the amount of CO2 that is being released from your beer fermenting and the amount of oxygen being released by your plants, your, your, uh, house is like, it's like a Molotov cocktail. (laughs) You got so much gas in that fucking house. There's so much happening. Oh man, I'm building like this yeah, little man. biodome in my house, complete with <laughs> that's right. with what's his name, aka my Stephen husband. Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, brew yeah. husband. Yeah, brew husband know. looks like he's related to Stephen Baldwin. So good times. That's not related. <laughs> They're exactly alike. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a pretty cool initiative, and I agree with you. I think you know, I I I probably refill my CO2 tanks a lot quicker than most home brewers. But I also, you know, we we pressure ferment, we pressure transfer, we do quite a bit. Um, but it's so bad that I like I've considered getting a third tank as backup. So like I have two five pound tanks, and I'm thinking about getting a third. And we have a I have a two tap kegerator. Brandon has a two tap kegerator. He's got a CO2 tank. So there's just a lot of CO2, and it's pretty expensive. CO2 is not cheap. So they're they're jacking up the prices of that CO two, knowing that home brewing the home brewing hobby is getting more popular, you know, with with the coronavirus and everything. So uh, people staying at home. So yeah, overall this is a pretty cool initiative. Really cool. I think it's great to to help out the environment and doesn't hurt to get some good PR. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's great PR. Like this this makes me want to go buy their beer. That's the move. And it's not like they're That's they're collecting the CO two from like cars or something like they're they're collecting co2 from the fermentation process so it's not like gross to start with but they filter it out yeah i mean if i could eat beer co2 i would right yeah i'd eat that sounds awesome if you could bottle that up like and just like you could like suck it out of the bottle like i'd do it yeah i'd buy it yeah if you could taste it like if you could taste it like oh wow this is this tastes like fermentation of gray sales flagship lager (laughs) Just sit there. And you don't snip get it. Drunk. <laughs> you just snip it. Right. It's like one of those. What are those computer keyboard cleaners? That those uh, sprays that you buy. Do you have those in Canada? Where, like you spray it on. It's like air, and you spray it on yep. your keyboard cleaner, and it gets the dirt. People huff those things. <gasps> it could be like the equivalent. Oh, you didn't know that. I did not know that. We have You're... those in my house. My husband has them, obviously, because he's a computer guy. Right. Okay. So you know. So, All right. Wow. A little You're can like air. Innocent virgin brain. You didn't understand. Oh man, I'm in a people, bubble. People huff those to get high. Oh my god. This CO2 from fermentation, bottle it up. People huff it. Could be a situation, but a good thing. Not not the not not the bad huffing. The good huffing. What? How is there a good huffing? A, no, <laughs> listen, that that went down a road. <laughs> <It and did. laughs> once you go down it until you can't turn around, you understand that. That's what happens when you do a podcast with me, especially especially when Brandon's not here. Ring oh, my in. gosh. And the fact that, like, yeah. you know, as we're doing the podcast, we're getting more and more drunk. That's that's actually very true. We're doing we're doing a liquid version of of what I was describing. Yes. Perfect. All right, guys, we'll be back. 
with a West Coast IPA roundtable discussion. So brew husband comes to bed one night, like I'm in bed, I'm reading a book. He comes to bed and he's like, Oh, how much wine have you had? I'm looking at him. I'm like, I've had nothing. Like I haven't, I've had, I haven't had anything to drink tonight. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, looking at me like I'm lying to him. I'm like, like I I must've tried to, you know, hide drinking like a bottle of wine. And I had no idea what he's talking about. And I realized I got used to it, but I realized that him just walking into the room, the fermentation of the wine, which Uh is happening in my bedroom. (laughs) Thankfully, my husband is so supportive of my hobbies (laughs) that he tolerates me fermenting wine in my bedroom. (laughs) But yeah, I realized like that's what it was. I was like, no, honey, that's the wine. He's like, oh, (laughs) we had a good little chuckle. But yeah, no, he, he thought I was like, really sauced because <laughs> of like how you wake up in the morning you walk in the living room and there's an intervention <laughs> yeah <laughs> like Adele for the past few weeks all you've done is smell like wine basically and it's a fe- it's affected my life in the following way. And I'm just sitting there like what the hell is going on they all think they all think for the past few weeks since you fucking made the wine it's fermenting they've been thinking that you're just drinking wine every day pretty much You know, I don't think it's any secret that the three of us, Brandon, myself, and Adele, we love our hops. We love that juice, as I like to call it, that juice. You know, that, that sweet. <laughs> what do you call it, juice? <laughs> I do in my in the privacy of my own home. Adele. Okay, and now the whole world knows. Continue. Well, listen, listen. It's a part of the intro, so suck it. Uh, we love we love that that New England IPA that that sweet hop hop you know juice that that orange juice that amazingness, but there's Adele, <laughs> but there's something to be said uh, about the American IPA, and <clears throat> it's you know a relatively old style. You know you could you could say that it goes back to the days of when. Um, People were, were the indigenous people were coming over to the States and they were brewing beer and putting hops into the barrels to preserve the freshness. And that's what kind of we would call an India pale ale. And so I'm not going to go through the entire uh, history of, of the style, mainly because I don't know it, but also because um, this is a discussion about the American IPA, not the hoppy, fruity, juicy, juice bombs. This is more about the intense hop aromas of citrus, floral, perfume, resinous, piney, some fruity character, but really the the 
the star of the show is the clean yeast uh, characteristic. Those sweet, sweet, depthy malts, the the crisp bitterness, all of that kind of rolled into one, into what is known as the American IPA Category 14B from the BJCP uh, style category uh, judge rating, whatever the case may be. Uh, just to give you some statistics on the style itself, OG, you're looking at anywhere from 1.056 to 0.75. FG is 0.10 to 0.18. IBUs, you want to be in the 40 to 60 range. Uh, SRM, 6 to 5. So kind of that copper, you know, kind of that that lighter copper kind of color. And then ABV, 5.5 to 7.5% uh, on the American IPA. So some great commercial examples of it are Stone's flagship IPA. Sierra Nevada's Celebration IPA, Founders Centennial IPA, and Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. It's a very common style. You could argue it's one of, uh, if not the most common style uh, in you know here in the states. Maybe not in Canada so much. But Adele, what are our thoughts on the American IPA as a whole? What what are your perceptions of it? You can compare it to the New England IPA. You can kind of treat it as its own. But but what is the allure? But also uh, the the level of of just the polarization of the IPA itself. Well, I've only brewed one American um, IPA, and I found in the recipe that I brewed and how it tasted, um, it's not just about hops. Like every ingredient is just as important in that, and that's like the malts, the yeast, like you said. You taste everything. Whereas with some of the, like the other IPA styles, it I find that they they highlight the hops. But with the American um, IPA, the West Coast IPA, those type of things, I find the, the malt is just as important as the hop. The yeast is just as uh, important as the hop. And you get this well-balanced, nice drinking beer. I find that you can you can probably even have less bitterness kind of perceived even if it is um kind of that mid-range ibu because you've got that malt character that's shining through that's my take on it yeah and even speaking that's a great point the last point you brought up but even so i would like to add to that you not even so much on in some on some level the malts but also you know you can get those kind of fruity piney hop character when i'm when i'm drinking a west coast ipa i'm really looking for the malt characteristic to what you mentioned, but you can get those piney citrus-like characteristics in the in the lower range of IBUs, as you mentioned, and you can get those at a really high rate uh, on the lower end of the bitterness. You know, whether you're whirlpool, dry hopping, whatever the case may be. What's so great about this style uh, is that generally, from a home brewing perspective, you generally, depending on the grist, it's relatively simple uh, but you get really high efficiencies because you're not adding flaked adjuncts which in theory um, you'll pull some sugar out of the flaked adjuncts but not a whole lot so your efficient your brew house efficiency uh, and your mash efficiency does take a bit of a hit uh, but with these beers you're not utilizing flaked oats and flaked wheat and flaked rye barley what you're utilizing generally is two row or maris otter and some honey malt also 
what's great about these beers is that you can go back and go a little old school and hit up some crystal malts, whether it's anywhere from crystal 20 all the way up to crystal 120, whatever the case may be. And so if you're really looking to get that depthy kind of um, sweet malt, you know, uh, characteristic from, from the beer. So I personally enjoy brewing these beers. I think it's, it generally makes for an easy brew day. You're not killing your pantry with a lot of hops, but Really, what's great about the style is you can only add, you know, anywhere from two ounces to, uh, you know, six ounces possibly, you know, maybe seven, depending on when you're adding them. And it really turns into a great style of beer that you can brew. And it's something that for me as a West Coast IPA or sorry, as a New England IPA drinker, for me, I really enjoy a nice West Coast IPA. You know, it's something for me that... um it's just, it's kind of when, you know, you haven't had sweets in a while and you say, man, I really could go for a Kit Kat or I could really go for a Reese's. For me, that's a West Coast IPA. So we probably brew three a year, two a year. And and for us, we when we do brew them, we're really looking forward to them because around our area, it's just so heavy with East Coast IPAs, with the New England IPAs. So it's nice to brew a really solid West Coast IPA. And, and there's something to be said about the idea of, of clarity and how hard it is to get clarity out of the style. And so it's something we're getting better with, but we really love the style. And it's something that we find ourselves craving more so than anything because just we're so rich with New England IPAs and barrel-aged uh, dessert stouts around here. And I can attest to their West Coast IPA because you sent me one of those. And it was like beautifully clear it tasted phenomenal. It was so well balanced with the malt character and the hop character. And it was so refreshing and just easy to drink, but also satisfying. It's not like a like a very light lager, like that would be thirst quenching, whereas this was like satisfying, but easy to drink still. And it was, oh God, that was delicious. <laughs> that was so yeah, good. And you speak, you speak, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I know Brandon does too. You speak to it well in terms of it not being thirst quenching. What's great about it is the crispness and it washed off the palate so easily, but the the level of uh, uh, crispness that it was and the bitterness, it left you wanting more. So it wasn't a beer that you could take 12 or 16 ounces of and chug, but it also wasn't a beer that uh, you would let sit and get to room temperature because it was so high in ABV or it was so thick or it was so cloyingly sweet. It was one of those beers, and that's what West Coast IPAs are. That's what's great about the style. Um, it, it, it's a great beer to just you, – you, you can pound it relatively quickly but not chug it. You can drink it quick enough that it doesn't just sit on on, on the on the end table you know, and just kind of uh, get warmer. So it's just one of those styles – you take a sip, it washes off the palate quickly, and you immediately want more. Yeah. And I did want more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that's a great – and it's a great style to – and it's a great style to brew. And as I mentioned, it's an easy brew day, and it's something that um, you know we do twice a year and we really look forward to. And probably something we want to do more. When I think of a West Coast IPA, I don't know about you, Adele, but I think of 70-degree weather, having a picnic, sitting outside. Or I think of going to a restaurant mid-level, not too cheap. You're not hitting up Applebee's. You know, you're not hitting up Kroger. Is that a reference around your area or Kroger's in Cincinnati? No idea. Uh, which is, that's a that's actually a supermarket. So that's my fault. <laughs> I was trying to, you're not going to Tim Hortons. 
right? That's a good <laughs> Yeah, reference. that's a good one. <laughs> but you're also not going to the top-level restaurants. You're kind of hitting that mid-level, and it's just you sit down, you're, you're – the temperature of your body is perfect. You're not, not wearing a sweatshirt. You're wearing a T-shirt. It's 70 degrees out, whether you're on the patio or you're inside. You know, the lights are dim. It's 7 o'clock at night. The sun's just coming down, and you just want, like, that perfect beer to set off your night before you start in on your appetizer, and that is a West Coast IPA. Painting that motherfucking picture, baby. Yeah. That's what I'm at. That's what I am, Adele. I'm Van Gogh. You understand? My description was so... It was so breathtaking for Adele that she can't even process it. <laughs> so breathtaking. Oh my god. Okay. No, I was I was about to say like how how easy the West Coast IPA that that I brewed um, was. Like I, I you know I I got it out of a recipe book, which makes sense to me because like I don't know I spent a lot of time in the kitchen because I have to not because I like to, but it was really easy. The recipe was very like simple. Like there was your two row. I uh, wish I could find it in the book. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of caramel malt in there, and then like caramel. There definitely was. Yeah, yeah like yeah, it. Sure. It yeah. easy, easy things to source, easy things to find. Um, I don't think I had any adjuncts in it. Like it was all just like malt. So it was. It's an easy thing to brew, and it was, it was delicious. What I love of you, you mentioned caramel malt, and I did mention the idea of you, you can use anywhere from C20 to C120. Um, you know, the, the, the level of caramel malt you can add in, in a West Coast IPA really is kind of unlimited. But for me, I would rather put in honey malt because it adds a different layer, a depthy uh, layer of flavor. You know, it's not just, oh, simple, let me just throw in some C100 or some C50 or rather some C60. Um, uh, I think it adds a layer of depthy character when you're drinking the beer where it's a little bit layered as opposed to what I feel is with the crystal malts is that it just kind of is muddled in with the beer style. So uh, what was great about the West Coast IPA we brewed that you drank, in my opinion, was that when you drank it, you immediately got that kind of depthy kind of layer of of sweet malt. Mm -hmm. And then you got that bitterness on the end, Mm -hmm. middle to end. And it washed off quickly. And then you wanted another sip. It was a great example of the style. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of an IPA, a West Coast IPA, there are things that you can fuck up about it, fuck up with it on a homebrew scale. Oh, you can fuck up everything on a homebrew scale, and it's so easy to, but it's also easy to I avoid it's, them. It's very easy. So I, I don't want to turn anyone off. Right. Like, just keep your shit clean. <laughs> keep your shit clean. Use the good cleaner. Spend like mm. a lot of money on your cleaner and sanitizer, and you're good. And I think for me, um, what's about the style specifically is it's very easy uh, to go heavy handed with the hops. And so you, you can easily and find yourself at 80 IBUs and that's not what you want. You know, you want to go with a decent bittering charge, uh, but you also want to make sure that you're in that 40 to 60 IBU range because anything more than that, it, it could take over on the malt character and you could find yourself with just a bitter bomb. True. Yeah. And the West coast or American is not supposed to be a bitter bomb. Like it's supposed to be, Nicely balanced, sweet and hoppy. God, now I'm like, I'm craving it. Although like, oh, do not let me have a second beer tonight. Oh my God. This Trillium thing. Shit. What is it? You said 8%? Fuck. I have, I have. (laughs) She said shit. Zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Like, like I'm like 
I've almost got this beer finished and I'm <laughs> feeling right. it. You, yeah, you smashed it. Oh. The heavy beer. That's a that's a New England IPA though. Yes. Uh, and so not related to uh, the segment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Adele, I mentioned some examples of the style that I really liked. Um you know, whether it was uh, Stone or, um, you know, Sierra Nevada. Are there any styles off the top? Of your, are there any breweries off the top of your head that make great West Coast IPAs in your area, in El Canada? You know what? <laughs> I can't even think of anything. Like, usually when I buy a craft beer, it's something very niche. Like, it'll be a stout that's, like, got all kinds of chocolate or cherry or peanut butter in it or something like that. Uh, so I can't really speak to like uh, any craft beer West Coast. I've, I've only had my home brew and your home brew for West Coast IPA. So I don't really know what, what really is out there. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of home brewers feel the same way. They feel like I'm not going to brew a beer. Sorry, I'm not going to purchase a beer um, that I can brew on my own. I want to purchase beers that are more difficult, that maybe isn't something that I'm going to take the time to brew. For example, as you mentioned, an imperial stout or a stout with chocolate in strawberry. I don't care to buy strawberry flavoring. I don't care to cut up strawberries and freeze them. I don't care to do anything with cacao nibs or chocolate or whatever. I'm just going to buy the beer and drink it. Uh, I don't care to brew it that way. So there there are definitely a lot of home brewers that feel that way. They're not going to take the time to brew a West Coast IPA because they can go down the street and buy a West Coast IPA if they want. So they'll just go and buy the Imperial Stout with all those kind of, um, you know, adjuncts and things like that. Um, but, you know, in terms of the style itself, you could probably say from, you know, an IPA perspective, from an India Pale Ale perspective and a BJCP perspective, it's, you'd probably call it the boring style. You know, I, you know, you could call it the grandpa style because it's been around forever. It's the same. Nothing's going to change about it. And it is what it is. And it's, you know, exactly what you're getting. With that said, it, it is hard to brew the style and, and it is something that you can fuck up easily. Uh, and to make it depthy and nuanced, it is truly an art in terms of homebrewing. I, I actually I have to agree with that. Like I brewed one, but it did not have that depth that yours had. Like my recipe was basically run of the mill, easy to drink, good to have, but it didn't have the depth of character that, that uh, the one that you guys sent me. So I really got to up my game. And I, I, I think it really. You've been homebrewing for a year. No, it's been, it's been would... like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm coming up to two years, maybe. <laughs> I can't do math. I'm too drunk. Everybody hits that moment in time. It's like you blink and you're the person that people are asking homebrew questions to. Yeah. And it feels like that happened for Brandon and I very quickly. It just feels like a switch went off one day. And all of a sudden, people were asking us to collaborate in the homebrew club. And people were commenting on our YouTube videos asking us questions. And it just feels like it happened very quickly. So um, I just think it's a matter of continuing to brew, continuing to learn. I think Brandon and I, with homebrewing, and this is probably a topic we could cover within the podcast, but just having the passion to learn and to better our processes, but also experiment. Because learning isn't necessarily getting better. Learning in the homebrew hobby is experimenting. And those don't always turn out great, but learning is always important. 
And so that's kind of how I, how I've always looked at it is even though we could be brewing a beer and trying something new, experimenting based on something we learned, it may not turn out great, but at the end of the day, at least we're learning. And that's my reading rainbow thought of the day. (laughs) Take that with you. Enjoy that. (laughs) All right. uh, Next up is brew songs, Adele and myself, and usually Brandon, uh, even though he's not here now, uh, pick a song each week to be added to a playlist called E12 Brew Songs. You can follow that playlist, E12 Brew Songs, on Spotify, E12 Brew Songs, E12. And what's great about the playlist is that we pick the songs every week, as I mentioned, and it gives you a little bit of a of an idea, a little bit of a flavor of, of who we are as people. Uh, it could include inside jokes on the podcast, uh, or it could just be songs that we're feeling that week. And so um, it's a great uh, kind of part of us. We're giving you a piece of ourselves in this podcast. That's what we're about here at Exit 12 Homebrew Craft Beer Lifestyle Podcast. Long ass name. Deal with it. (laughs) So Adele's pick this week, she is first. She went in a direction that I did not expect. This is a bit of a left turn <laughs> and and it's too bad Brandon's not on the show this week because he really has some thoughts about it. Adele's pick this week is a live song and it's from the iHeart Festival. This is Miley Cyrus, Heart of Glass. Uh, 2020 is when this song came out apparently. Uh, 3 minutes and 34 seconds. And just kind of hitting with some live drums and all right very nice oh my god what is your thinking adele picking this song oh it's so good okay so no one is more surprised than i am about miley cyrus i never thought in my life that i would ever listen to a song from miley cyrus but someone brought it to my attention that Miley Cyrus has become this fucking rock goddess. Not a rock princess, not a rock queen. No, no. This lady is a rock goddess and she deserves it. Like, she's just belting out these lyrics with such passion and just, mm. I'm so here for it. So, so here's the thing. Miley Cyrus has well over, well over on, at least on Spotify, a billion listens, a billion listens. You understand how many listens a billion is? (laughs) Yes. That's ridiculous. She has over a billion listens. You decided to pick, of all of her songs, a cover of a Blondie song. Yes, yes. So this isn't even original Miley Cyrus artistry. Not at all. This is just her covering some shit. Yeah. What about this song spoke to you? Because she has like 85 songs that are like hers that you could have done. Although to be fair, if I could say, she has a song called Party in the USA that has literally triple the listens that all of her other songs have. So maybe she's just great at, maybe she's just fantastic at covering songs. 
Well, I, I do love me a good cover. I'm not going to lie. But I mean, I also, I love Blondie. Like, I love that era of music. And um, I just, I was just blown away by Miley Cyrus. Like, like it, my head literally exploded when this I heard cover this. cover song. Yes, when I heard this cover. Is what you were blown away. I was blown away because, like, I never thought. Like, I never really had any interest in Miley Cyrus, any of the music that she's ever put out before. And then she, she has this out there. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome like we should revitalize like this style so much more and and have these powerful women like just giving it their all like i love this it still doesn't explain why you didn't go with the blondie song and why no because this, this one's more relevant it. like this is relevant to today this is now <laughs> but it's a cover what do you mean well, I do love covers. She didn't create her own lyrics. It's just a cover. The lyrics are the same as they were when Blondie. I actually like a lot of cover bands. I've, I've tried to avoid adding any covers um, to our playlist. Even though that you're adding this. I'm, I have to add this one. It's Miley Cyrus. <laughs> an ode to Blondie. I had to add it. Like The reasoning is fantastic. I had to. Like, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, my head exploded. I'm sure everyone else's head is going to explode, too. My song this week, I decided to go uh, a little bit in the in the hip hop realm. You know, just I'm a, a, little I'm a bit. student of the game, as I've said before. Well, a little bit. It's a it's a little bit of a it's a nice nice dance beat as I play it. This song is by Slum Village, featuring John Legend and Kanye West, called "Selfish." It's just it's singing to a girl. It's off the album Detroit Deli, A Taste of Detroit. 2004 album, 13 songs, 45 minutes. This song itself is 3 minutes and 45 seconds. And it's just such an... The beat itself is just such an easygoing beat. Just kind of... You know, you're driving in your car. Sun is shining. You're just not a care in the world. For some reason, Adele, I'm on this 70 degree kick. You know, everything's going to be 70 degrees right now. It's probably because right now it's like fucking 20 on in Massachusetts. I, I'm desperately dying. As talking to my wife today, I'm dying for the day that it, that it gets nicer outside. 70 degrees, you know, you're in your car. You're on your way to a to a brew day. For me, this has to be that the, the water is warming up. You've got nothing to do. You've got nothing to do. So you're just sitting back. You're just waiting for that, that mashed water to heat up, to strike. Very chill. Like very that. not chill. Very warm. <laughs> not hot. Not so, cool. You know what? I like that. So you're just kind of prepping for the day. You know, you're rolling into the day, and this is just something to kind of get you get you rolling. You know, you're continuing into the day. I can understand yes. that. Yeah. I like it. It's yeah, chill. I like this. This is this is not like offensive to my ears. It's it's. <laughs> And if you listen to the lyrics, you're big on lyrics, Adele. So if you listen to the lyrics, it is it's about kind of keeping a girl, understanding, admitting how selfish you are. Brandon would tell you that on brew days, I'm very selfish. And so uh, that's what it's about is just uh, understanding your own faults, but still saying I want you, you know, and that's what I say to Brandon. Listen, Brandon, we both understand that I'm the hard headed one. I'm selfish, but I still want you. I want you here. Brew with me. Come on, buddy. You understand? Yeah, Brandon, we miss so you. That's what it's about. <laughs> we do miss Brandon. <laughs> we'll be back next week. That's Brew Songs. Don't forget to follow it. 
on Spotify at E2, or not at, but search E12 Brew Songs on Spotify. Follow it, listen to it, ride to it, dance to it, beat people up to it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Depending on what you're listening to, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my songs, you're probably going to punch someone out. Uh, well, not that Miley Cyrus. Song. No, not that one. I think the Miley Cyrus song you probably wouldn't. Uh, you actually might be the one getting punched. So, <laughs> so uh, don't forget to follow us at E12 Brew Songs on Spotify. Uh, it's an amazing playlist, and it really shows our range and uh, uh, our understanding as people and, and getting to know each other. Adele can confidently say to you that there's no way that she would have liked Slum Village six months ago. Yeah, no way. So I am definitely, yes, yes. <laughs> I am absolutely, probably not a song she's going to add to her personal playlist, but still, it's okay. She dealt with it. She understood it. And she respected it. And that's more than I could say for Adele six months ago, where she pretty much told me to go fuck myself when I played the first rap song. She got out of her so accurate. Oh dear. We have a we have a football game here. The football championship is tomorrow. It's called the Super Bowl. Ever heard of it? I think I've heard and, of it. Uh, Maybe. Have you? Okay. And your boy. I I planned ahead. You understand? Yeah. I said this is a big day. Even though my team's not in it, this is a big day. That calls for big smoke. You oh! <laughs> That's right, what, motherfucker. What What are you That's smoking? Right. I am smoking a nine pound brisket. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, that's oh the fucking God. joint, right? Oh my gosh. Is this your first time doing a brisket? <laughs> yeah. Have you chatted with yeah. my husband? Have you talked to my husband? I should message him. Seriously, message, message him. him. He's he's made many yeah. mistakes in the past and he's he's got it down to like just a couple. It's not you don't have to do a lot. You no. don't have to do a lot, but like there's just some things that you have to do. Do you have the brown butcher paper? Yes. Oh my gosh, you're gonna make such a yeah. great brisket. Yeah. Oh, I did it right. I talked. I got some guys in the homebrew club are, mm-hmm. are, are smokers. I got a couple of buddies who are smokers, so they've been giving me some great advice no, too. So. You're you're fine. You don't need to talk to my husband. Sounds like you've got it. Like, uh, oh gotcha. my god, I mean, some level. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's still my first time, so I'm 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 nervous to smoke for as long as I will be. Probably looking at a ten to twelve hour smoke. So. Um, I'm interested to see what happens, but yeah, it's I'm, I'm pumped. I, I I should what I should do is just take my shirt and send it. To oh, don't even like <laughs> just, just like, smells like fucking smoke uh, and fucking smoking bl- tomato juice from the Bloody God, Marys. I'm gonna be drinking right. Just turn that to my pillowcase. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just just take the shirt and pull it over your pillow. Your husband's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he'd be like, worry, he'd be like, whatever. <laughs> like, he'd be like, oh, he laid down. He, he laid down next to you, and you'd go, "Is that a eight pound brisket?" <laughs> and you'd go, nine, baby. It's a nine pound brisket." <laughs>